Hey everybody, Frank Finance here. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Today we're going to be doing a stock analysis on HP, ticker symbol HPQ. For today's agenda on HP, I'm going to give my price target. We're going to look at 2022 Q1 results. I'm going to share earnings highlights from this latest press release, and I'm going to share my DCF model for HP and give my final thoughts on HPQ as an investment. As a quick plug for the channel, if you like this type of content, please consider subscribing. Also hit that like button if you find it helpful. Thank you so much for watching. Now back to your content. All right, so jumping right into my price target. So my price target for HPQ is $45 in the next 12 months. So using a combination of three different methods, I came with for the first one, the price to earnings method. Uh, Dell is currently trading around eight times earnings. Uh, HPQ is around six and a half. So based off of that, that would put HP around $42 a share. Using the DCF model, um, in a conservative case, I have them trading around $55 a share and possibly even higher, and I'll share more about that as we go to the DCF section. And as the EBITDA multiple, I have them trading around $45 a share. I think that's based off of uh, nine times uh, EBITDA. So um, that indicates about a 32% upside, the $45 is. And from a risk perspective, I, I do think that they've had quite a quick rise over the last year. And so one of the answer questions I'm going to try to get answered is why are they so? Why does it seem like they're so undervalued um, when it doesn't seem a lot has changed over the years? All right. So for Q1 of 2022, HP re reported their earnings on the 28th of February, and their earnings per share normalized came in at $1.10 compared to the analyst expectations of $1.02. So they beat by eight cents. On the gap side, they reported 99 cents per share, and that beat analyst expectations by one cent, which was set at 98 cents a share. On the revenue side, they beat by $504 million, reporting $17 billion in income, compared to uh, analyst expectations of $16.52 billion. All right, so jumping into earnings highlights, yeah, so they beat on revenue and earnings per share guidance for Q1. The revenue, revenue was up 8% year over year. However, I don't believe this was up considerably versus our 2019 numbers. The free cash flow of 1.4 billion was very, very good. Um, and it's helping them get to their guidance of free cash flow for the year. They had buybacks of 1.5 billion and another 0.3, 300 million in dividend payout over the quarter. And they gave guidance, uh, they increased their gap earnings per share guidance from $3.87 to $4.07 to a range of $4.18 to $4.38. So around 30 something, 30, 30 cents or so increase on the earnings per share side, which is really good to see. So the question I had is why is HPQ doing so well right now? And to answer that, I looked at, I found really two things, contributing factors that I saw that stuck out. One was shares outstanding, the other one was free cash flow. The first one was shares outstanding. You can look over the last two years, they bought back about 23% of their shares outstanding. Um, and you know, if you go back even further, it's even higher than that, right? So they have consistently been buying back shares and with the guidance they gave for 2022, they could buy back another 18% of their shares for full year 2022, which is just crazy to think about. Another thing is on the free cash flow side, you can see that their free cash flow is relatively the same between uh, full year 2019 and fiscal year 2021. So you can see that went from 4.17 to 4.17. It's exact. It's basically flat. They saw a little decrease in 2020 by about uh, like eight billion. Uh, maybe I'm doing off there. Seven billion dollar or 700 million dollars. So basically they're flat since they were two years ago, but their stock price is almost, you know, 50% to 75% higher than what it was trading in 2019. 
But if you go back, you can see that there, the big changer here is that their increase on a free cash flow per share side has not quite doubled, but is getting awfully close. So 75, 85% there, or 75, 80%. Um, you know, it's it's pretty considerably high, um, higher than it was back in 2019. So I think that's a couple of factors contributed to, and they're also projecting that to get even higher for 2022. All right, so jumping into the DCF model for HPQ, I want to share a few different scenarios. And just first off, I'll show what I had on my, uh, my estimate on the price target side. So again, I had $55 for the DCF and I had uh, $45 for the EBITDA multiple. Sorry, correction here. I had the EBITDA multiple at 10. So uh, I think I said nine earlier. So one thing I want to change here is I've changed a few numbers. So the first one I, I want to just call out is the growth rate. So um, they're projecting themselves at about 7% for 2022. And I went ahead and went with that assumption based off of it. Looks like they're on target to get 45 or $4.5 billion in free cash flow. And they reiterated that after Q1. So it looks like they're still on track to get that 4.5. And and in their own words, they're saying a minimum of 4.5. So I do think I'm, I feel confident with leaving that, uh, that at 4.5. Now, for future years, I went ahead and put that at 3%. Um, we could lower this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'll lower this after a couple, after we change a couple different things. Um, and then another thing is I had the long-term growth rate at 2%, and I had their discount rate at around 9% for all those cash flows. So the other thing I wanted to share was relatively their um, net debt is pretty light. Um, their total long-term debt is around $6.3 billion. So if they wanted to pay this off, they could really do that in less than a year um, if they really wanted to. Um, and then another thing is on this assumption was I kept shares outstanding exactly the same as they were at the end of 2020, fiscal year 2021. So, um, or sorry, at the end of this quarter. So. Moving forward, we know that they're going to decrease their shares outstanding by hopefully close to 18 to 20%. So if that gets close to 900, that does change our model and watch what that does down here to this DCF. So it, it brings it from 45, uh, sorry, 55 up to $67 a share. And it brings the EBITDA multiple from 45 to $55 a share. So that alone, that share buyback has a lot of power to it. So let's actually be a little bit more conservative here and say they only do half of what we think they're going to do. Um, and I did the math earlier, so I know it's around 900 million shares um, if they do that buyback. So point is, is that, uh, so if they do half of what they say they're going to do for 2022, let's put them at um, 1 billion shares outstanding. That brings them at 61 and 49 for the multiples. And let's lower the growth rate for future years to 1%. So. Um, I'm going to go through here and just change this to one. Um, oops, goofing it up. Okay, so added that to 1%, and that still gets them a DCF of 7%. Now let's change their long term growth to 1%, okay? And that brings us a DCF of 51 and 45 uh, multiple, respectively. So um, I guess where I'm getting at, again, the IPTA multiple, even if we move that to their, let's say, PE, that takes their IPTA multiple down to 36, which is, again, right around where they're trading right now. Um, so my point is even in the, um, I would say a bad case for them where they're, I mean, I guess they would be trading around a fair value if you're doing the EBITDA multiple here, but I think the eight is unreasonable, right? I think 10 is probably closer to what they would actually sell for if they sold the company. Um, so I think 45 is, 
I think I think 45 makes makes sense here. Um, on the DCF side, you can still see with um, you know extreme low growth rates moving forward from 2023 to 2026, and their um, terminal value only growing at one percent. Um, we still get a really good, I feel like a really good risk reward here um, at $51 a share. And again, that's with future shares outstanding um, at, 100, at 1 billion. So let's lower it to 900, um, considering that they do think they're going to do that this year. Um, that again, it increases both of these things quite considerably. So even if HP just keeps doing their buybacks at the same rate over the next five years, they can really reduce shares outstanding by a considerable amount. Let's say that slows down as HP share price increases, they're not able to buy as many shares. Let's say by, um, yeah, I actually don't wanna go down that rabbit hole, but the point is, is that at their current valuation at the end of 2022, they could be worth closer to 55. Um, in, in, in that model. So let's leave it, leave it flat basically. And that brings you to 46 and $41 respectively, still um, upside from where they're at. And again, that's with basically zero growth, um, you know, basically only 1% growth moving forward after 20, from 2023 onward um, and an multiple of 10. So um, I don't know if you like me playing out these scenarios in my model um, live. If you do, please hit that like button. Let me know what you think about it. Uh, now to my final thoughts. All right, now for my final thoughts on HPQ. Now, again, this is not financial advice. It's just my thoughts. So make sure you do your own due diligence and yada, yada, yada. Um, so when it comes to HPQ, uh, the only thing that really gives me pause on this is that over the last five years, they've actually had quite a large rise. Um, I did own HPQ at, um, you know, early in the pandemic, I bought in, I think around 16, 17, maybe $18. And I sold maybe when they got into the 20s. Um, and the thing that's really changed on HP is that I've, I think that their free cash flow guidance, as well as their delivery in 2021, um, on, on what they've guided to, has been impressive and so they have been warranted there and so that's the thing that's changed since the time i've left hp is that basically they're executing quite well and if they just continue their share buybacks at the rate they are it could be worth a look as an investment if you think that they're going to continue executing moving forward and again you have to think okay are they going to have some investments that start to lower free cash flow moving forward it is quite possible that that happens um, but I did lower the growth rate in the model for basically, you know, 1% moving forward into long-term terminal value. So if they just do their share buybacks, even if they have lower free cash flow, it's still going to have quite a considerable impact on their uh, share price from a, from, from a creative standpoint. But we don't want to have too much investment that could offset that free cash flow and then offset the buybacks, basically. So that's the one concern I would have is that basically it looks it looks a little too good to be true in some cases. And that's the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause with HP. Um, other than that, it really does not look bad at all. The numbers, I mean, even in some of the bad scenarios, they work out quite well. Um, and so with my price target of around 45, I feel like I'm giving investors more of a cautious, um, cautious tail again, 
HP possibly could go back in $25, $24 range. That's kind of, if you're looking more at the technicals, where they could find a, a you know, if they did drop from here, that's probably where you'd find a resistance level. But based off of them executing well um, and returning, you know, uh, on free cash flow on the years around, uh, sorry, free cash flow to cash is almost like, I think it's like 15%. So even if you weren't in reinvesting that, it's like you'd basically double your investment in seven years. So uh, all that being said is it looks very, very good on paper. My concern is, is just in some of the things, what, what is going to happen moving after 2023? But that doesn't really matter if everyone's loving the stock in the short term, right? If you enjoyed this video, please consider subscribing. I do videos on personal finance, investing, and stock analysis. And if you like the new DCS, hit that like button. Thanks so much for watching. My name is Frank, Frank Finance, out.